0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 49. You know, when I go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, I love to eat. So, one of my newly discovered favorite Royal Caribbean specialty restaurants deserves its own show, as this week, I take some time to review and explore everything about Sabor Modern Mexican. Here we go. Now, Sabor Modern Mexican is a brand new specialty restaurant that debuted on Navigator of the Seas early this year. Well, as the name implies, Sabor offers Mexican food that isn't just your typical Tex-Mex fare, although it's a kind of think of a blend of traditional Mexican and also a little new age, but I don't know, modern Mexican, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, I really enjoy Mexican food, so as someone lives in the Northeast, finding good, fresh Mexican food isn't that easy, and so I was actually looking forward to checking this out. We're going to be taking an in-depth look at this new restaurant as I explain what it offers and why you might want to book a table yourself. Now, as of recording this podcast, Sabor is only available on Navigator of the Seas. It was added as part of the ship's refurbishment and replaced the old dungeon nightclub on Deck 4. A couple of months ago when I was at a Royal Caribbean media event, I spoke with Brian Abel, who's the Royal Caribbean Vice President of Food and Beverage, and I asked him about the decision to add Sabor to Navigator of the Seas. In fact, not just add to Navigator of the Seas, but not add it, at least at this time to any of the quantum class ships. Brian told me the addition of Sabor to just Navigator was actually a decision to basically meet the demands of the Texas cruise market. Of course, Navigator of the Seas cruises out of Galveston, Texas, so you're going to have quite a bit of people that are coming from the Texas area, obviously, and maybe even the surrounding states, and there's obviously a big need or desire, at least, demand, maybe that's the better word, for Mexican food. It's a big part of the palate down there, and they wanted to appeal to the market. So let's talk about Sabor. Sabor, again, located in the old dungeon. It's kind of interesting because if you think about the old dungeon dance club, which if you've even been in there, it was kind of this gothic-looking <laughs> dance area that was kind of a, it, it was a very confined but vertically tall area, so I was kind of interested to see how they were going to do it. Basically, you walk in, and what they offer you is a lot of woods and reds, and it's very much a different take. In fact, I spent probably the first couple of minutes trying to figure out trying to remember what it looked like, because I really, it wasn't like they took the old dungeon nightclub, slapped some stickers on it, and it's a new restaurant. I mean, you really can't tell that it used to be a gothic-looking nightclub. So when you walk in again, you're going to see these woods and reds and oranges, and it's kind of an interesting setup. In fact, there's, the restaurant's kind of divided in half lengthwise by a divider. So there's a section that's closest to you, and there's a section on the other side of the divider as you're walking in. It's not the biggest restaurant in the world, certainly bigger than, say, Izumi that was on the restaurant, but I don't think it was as big as, say, Chop's Grill. The I think what they're really looking for here, this isn't like your typical Mexican food restaurant with... You know, mariachi band playing and maracas and, you know, people wearing sombreros. This is very much a modern take on Mexican food. And honestly, if you took all the slides, took out all the food in there, and we just placed you in the restaurant and say, okay, what does this restaurant serve? I don't think you'd be able to guess necessarily one particular cuisine or another. It's just a very... Interesting design thing. I actually like it. I think it looks kind of cool little modern take on it, not just typical is not what this is. And if maybe you've been to Rita's Cantina on some of the other Royal Caribbean ships. It's not like that at all. It's, again, very much its own take on it, which was interesting. So once you're seated at your table, one of the first things that's going to happen is one of the waiters is going to come actually with a cart to make table-side guacamole. Now, I've been to a number of Mexican restaurants in my time, and I've seen this happen a number of times, and it's usually very, very good. In fact, the guacamole on Sabor was... For lack of a better word, amazing. Honestly, it was the best table guac I've had. Honestly, second, honestly, it's probably the best guacamole I've had outside of Mexico. I mean, certainly it was fresh, but it was just unique in its taste, and and that really stood out to me. I think that was a big deal. So I really enjoyed this, and me and my wife, honestly, we thought about the rest of the cruise. Could we just go back to sport and just get... The guacamole, which we could have, we would have paid twenty five dollars. We were wondering if that was really worth it from a financial aspect, but really, it was great. The waiter will make it for you on the spot. He explains what's going. He or she explains what's going on. It was, it was really a revelation in terms of guacamole because it was just fresh. They also gave you a salsa, and the combination of the two, we could have just been fine with just that. Just bring me more guac, bring me more salsa and chips, and you know, uh, <laughs> wheel us out of there. But. It's, it's really, really good, in other words. So you got to check it out. I'll tell the other thing about the chips, by the way. The chips were definitely fresh. You could tell these weren't just Tostito chips that were sitting in a bag somewhere for a while. These were really fresh again, freshly made. And that when it comes to fresh food in general, that's how you can tell the difference between that and anything else. Because once your food is frozen, it doesn't matter where it's from, how good it is. The fact is you can tell the difference between fresh and frozen. And the fresh chips, the fresh guac, it really set the tone for our experience there. All right. So we got the guac. We got the salsa. We got the chips. The other thing they really do, the, the specialty they have, are the margaritas that they'll make for you at your table. They have actually other margaritas that just come out from the kitchen, but they have, I believe there are about three of them that were on the menu that they would make table side. So, of course, your intrepid reporter here wanted to make sure that uh, I got the real experience and got one of these tableside ones. Just like the guacamole, someone else will come with a different cart, and they will make you a margarita. And it was, again, the the, the, the waiter explains how what's what's in the drink and, and kind of how the drink was made and, and all this kind of stuff. It's it's very interesting, but it's also really, really tasty. And I got to say, it was a very strong drink, which is always a good thing, and also a really different drink. This wasn't, again, the one thing you want to do when you're having these drinks is not just feel like you had something that, you know, came out of a bottle somewhere, you know, a pre-mix, not at all. This was one of the better margaritas I've had in a long time. I really enjoyed it. Again, freshness, you know, they you had the... The cucumber in it, I think that's what the one I had and, and cilantro, I think that's what that is. <laughs> that's in the drink. And man, it was it was a great taste to it. And I gotta say that the margaritas, you know, they're twelve dollars, which is a little pricey when you consider what drinks are in a Royal Caribbean cruise, but I will say it was worth it. And, you know, it, it, honestly if I go back right now oh I can only be so lucky. I would go back and I would get obviously the guacamole, which I mentioned, and the salsa and the chips, but I would definitely order myself a drink, and I hope that kind of Shows you if it's worth it or not when you're saying that I would definitely buy it again. All right. So let's talk about the menu itself now. Now, I'll put a link in the show notes to the menu. You can see it. You know, the menu is – it's Mexican. So it's not going to blow you away in terms of something different because – but it is a little bit, again, a blend of old and new. So you have tacos. You have burritos. You have quesadillas on there. That's not exactly groundbreaking. Uh, but they do have also other things like platos chiquitos and platos fuertes, which, again, are – it depends what you're interested in. Sometimes you're just, you know what, I want a great taco, and you go for the tacos. Sometimes you go for something else, and you get something else. I had a little bit of everything. We tried to sample as much as we could. The thing with the the menu here I really found interesting, again, just like other specialty restaurants, you can order pretty much as much as you want in terms of the menu items, assuming they don't have a surcharge. None of the items on the menu have a surcharge besides those drinks that I mentioned earlier. We tried as much as we could. The thing was, of course, we probably loaded up on way too many chips and guac and salsa earlier. But that's all right, and certainly next time I go, I will definitely fast for the day. I would say I will, but, you know, it's Royal Caribbean. I'll be hungry within an hour of everything. So uh, anyway, eating. So, yeah, the food was interesting. We had a lot of different things to choose from, and we tried to get a blend of everything, kind of just to be able to taste everything that we had there. So one of the first things that we got was the queso fundido. My wife loves queso dip. To her, there is no such thing as too much queso or not, you know, she just can't get enough of it. And the queso was pretty good. I would say the queso was probably a solid B, not her favorite queso in the world, partially because it had a little kick to it, which she doesn't usually, she likes, what she just basically likes is a block of cheese that's melted down in, and that's it. Nothing else in there. She likes a very plain Jane kind of experience, but it was good for dipping, certainly, in between the guac and and now the salsa. And this queso is good, uh, something else to have, certainly, to dip as well. Now, I went for my appetizer. I went for the ceviche, which I've had ceviche a number of times. And ceviche, for those who are unaware, is basically a blend of fish and vegetables, fresh fish. It's not like a – not quite sushi fresh, but certainly fresh (laughs) cuts fish. Uh, And in this case, you could really tell, again, freshness of the food definitely stuck out. And you had kind of a – I really liked it because it was interesting. It had actually fruits in there and the fish. It was it was an interesting But At first, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know, different, certainly, and I, I tasted it. And I was like, wow, this is really good, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good white fish, and it, again, it was light, which was nice, and I thought it was got a couple of chips to put there. Oh, it, it was really, really nice. So Now, the other thing i really a sucker for is tortilla soup. I love soups, and I love Mexican soup, so I had to try the tortilla soup, and you know, this tortilla soup was definitely not your typical, again, not your typical food in terms of what Mexican food is to offer. And this tortilla soup was, it was interesting actually, because usually tortilla soup, I don't know how to explain what usually it looks like. This was not what it usually looked like. Um, I'll post actually a link, by the way, I have a full review of my experience with the board with photos and everything in this week's show notes on Real Caribbean Blog. So you can go over there, you can follow along here as we're going through the photos, but the... Soup, the tortilla soup was actually really interesting and different. And I like different, you know, because it gives you something. It's not just the usual thing. It's not like, okay, it was good, but it's like everything else you've had, you know, like a dime a dozen kind of experience. Not at all. I really thought it was it was a good blend of they had a lot of uh, tomatoes in there and uh, a little bit of cheese, not a lot. And that's what I liked. And they also had put these, I don't know what they are, crackers or uh, some sort of chips in them. Again, a good blend. And when you mix it all together, man, it's it's really tasty. Now the next thing we tried were the empanadas because the waiter recommended them and <laughs> who doesn't enjoy good empanadas, right? So we ordered the fried chicken and corn and green mole and peanut sauce, and the menus actually said it was spicy, although we didn't detect any spice at all, maybe it was just us, I don't know. But the empanadas were again different. And and I put in the review, they reminded me of a spring roll that you might get like at a Thai restaurant. Because it wasn't just, again, meat and and tortillas essentially fried tortillas because that's the that's the rub on Mexican right the Mexican food is always just a mixture of meat cheese tortillas and and that's it and you just get different combinations of it but it's essentially the same thing and this wasn't it again a little different uh texture to it and what I did actually was I took the, again took the salsa that I had left over which was amazing because I actually had leftover salsa and I put some on top of it oh it was so good so I would definitely recommend it actually it was really interesting and certainly a good side dish so let's go on to our main courses now and my wife went for the the uh, queso quesadilla, which is, as the name implies, <laughs> cheese quesadillas. And you know what? It's a classic. It's it's it, there's nothing you can't screw up quesadillas in my opinion. And this was a great example of that. And you know what? This my wife was interested in, you know, your typical Mexican food. And this came out. It was freshly made. We had the quesadillas, you know, elsewhere. And these were not like microwave or anything like that. You could tell good texture to it, good crispness. But certainly, great cheese, in fact. And it wasn't just like American cheese they threw on there. This was uh, a very tasty quesadilla. In fact, if memory serves me correctly, I believe I stole one from her. <laughs> um, now, of course, the other thing that we really enjoyed were the side dishes. And in Sabor, there's a number of side dishes that you can choose from. The side dishes, actually, uh, they're called the accompaniments. And you have the yuca barrel fries, calabacitas, Mexican rice, and Mexican beans, and it's kind of like if you've been to Chop's Grill, you know that the side dishes are a big part of the meal, so we ordered pretty much, I think, one of everything to give it a try, and, you know, for us, the side dishes are what kind of really make or break a meal for you because they're these little things, you know, you dip your food in, you augment your food with, you grab a snack for, and this was really a a good option, I thought, all around. Uh, We tried a, a little of everything. The yucca fries, I think, were the best thing I tried. I tried the calabacitas, which are uh, roasted poblano peppercorn, black beans, and zucchini. Didn't love it. Um, Maybe this is just my own personal taste, but I will say that it wasn't my favorite thing to order. But, hey, you know what? It was part of the meal, and I tried it, and now at least I know. Now, the other thing that they're really big on here in Sabor is the dessert. And the dessert is – there's a lot to choose from, and they have – actually, one of the best things they have – are the chocolate banana empanadas. Dude, you got to try them because it's their best thing they make here. Really amazing. They'll actually bring you a whole cart to show you everything and you pick whatever you want. I got to say, the the thing about the desserts is, and this happens to me in every Royal Caribbean restaurant, is man, I always eat too much in the appetizers and entrees. So by the time dessert comes, I'm like, no, 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 I don't want any dessert. And then of course I see the dessert and I'm like, yes, 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 I want the dessert. What are you talking about? Bring it over here already. (laughs) Really, what I really liked about Sabor, and, and I said this in the review, and I think it still holds up, this was the best meal I've had on a Royal Caribbean ship, period. In the main dining room, at Chops, any other specialty restaurant, this was the best. And I think, again, freshness and the quality of everything that was there really made it for me a, a great experience. And if you want to look for what I didn't like about the meal, the side dishes weren't great. They weren't anything that I would write home about. And certainly, as you heard, I mean, the, the yuca fries were okay, and I didn't like that other thing. So they weren't terrific, and certainly the side dishes that say like Chops Grill are much better. But the main course and the appetizers especially the appetizers are what makes this restaurant worth it, and the main dishes are just really, really good as well. I think I'm actually surprised by the fact that Royal Caribbean has not, at least to date, rolled Sabor out to any other ships. I and many, many, many other people thought for sure Sabor was going to be announced for Quantum of the Seas. As we know, it is not on Quantum of the Seas. Theoretically, they could announce it for perhaps Anthem of the Seas or even the yet-to-be-named third Quantum-class ship. But it kind of sounds like, especially when I was talking again with Brian, who's the vice president of food and beverage for Royal Caribbean, it sounds like it might just be a regional thing. Now, of course, if guest demand is high enough, people really, really like it, they may roll it out there. I mean, I think it's a very strong Option to choose from in terms of what Royal Caribbean can offer you, and you know Rita's Cantina in terms of because it's the obvious comparison, right? It's the same the way we talk about Giovanni's versus Portofino's. There are two different Mexican restaurants that cost extra, and Rita's Cantina has not a great reputation. And I think, but it is what it is, right? It's just basically it's you know your basic Mexican fare with heavy on drinks. And Sabor is very much a different experience from that. And that's what I really liked about it. Again, it wasn't typical Mexican. I remember leading up to this cruise before Sabor ever opened to the public, people were talking all about, oh, you know, is it worth it? I can get good Mexican by me. Why should I go here? Again, this isn't, this is not Chevy's. This is not Taco Bell. This is not any of those chain, typical Mexican restaurants. It's very much a different take. And I really enjoyed it. Again, freshness and the thing that really set out to me and something I mentioned to my wife as I noticed we were dining is a lot of the people dining, first of all, the restaurant was full, but a lot of people that were dining there were not just guests, they were crew members. And to me, there is no greater sign of how good a restaurant is if you see crew members there, because again, crew members live on the ship, they're there every day, every week, they got to eat somewhere, and if they're picking to go and pay money extra for a restaurant like Sabor, to me, that says a lot, and I think that was a huge deal for you. Now, if you're going to go, it's $25 per person. I think it was well worth it. The food is certainly worth it. And it's one of those things where, you know, again, I think it's a good value, especially for what you get. Again, great quality of food. And I really don't hesitate to pay that kind of a price. I mean, it's certainly cheaper than chops, which is at $35 per person. And the freshly made food really stands out. It's just impressive all around, really. If I were going to give Sabor a rating, let's say on the grading, school grading scale, you know, A is great, F is fail. I would probably give Sabor a A-, minus. and I think, again, one of the best I've eaten in a long, long time. And the only thing I could say is if the accompaniments were a little bit better and if maybe the price was a little bit cheaper, <laughs> I mean, here's what I would say, and my wife, if she was here, she would agree with me, is if we had the chance, if we could go back in time, we would have made additional reservations for Sabor. We ate there like on like the second to last night of the cruise, and I think the other night that we were there on the ship, We had eaten in Cozumel, so we were full. To me, there's no better way to recommend a restaurant than to say that you'll eat there again without a doubt. And if I, and not if, when I go back on Navigator of the Seas, you bet I'm going back to Sabor. So hopefully you'll be able to enjoy it. And if you get a chance to experience it, be sure to share with us what you thought about your experience there. Because I think it's going to be an amazing time. But I want to hear from what your thoughts are. You can always email us, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Well, it's time for the part of the show where I answer your emails, tweets, Facebook messages, and everything else that you could throw on me. before I record the podcast, and I really enjoy it. And I want to, again, every week I say it, and every week it's absolutely true. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for emailing, tweeting, and sending me all these nice messages. Some of you surely take the time to just send me a quick note, and I really appreciate it. And it's so gratifying that so many of you are enjoying this show. So... I do this for you, and I'm glad that you're a part of it. So let's jump right in. And we got first an email from one of our great listeners. It's Christopher Percy. Hey, Matt, great episode in episode 47 about the cruise compass. We always found it to be a valuable planning tool and keeps us on time for the must-do activities. I cannot believe the one-year anniversary of your podcast is coming up. Amazing. You do a terrific job, and I, for one, appreciate your commitment and dedication to making the podcast interesting and informative. Thank you, Christopher, and I think... Someone has to go back and check. <laughs> but I think Christopher has written back to almost every single episode. He might have missed like the first couple, maybe two or three. But, man, Christopher, I really appreciate you being a part of the show. And hopefully, Christopher, you and everyone else listening will be able to make to our live show that we're doing on July 30th. It's a Wednesday. I know, kind of a weird day. But, you know what? Why not come back from work and have a little Royal Caribbean fun? July 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be doing a live recording of the podcast to celebrate. And hopefully you'll be there as well. Thank you, Christopher. Let's shift gears and go to Twitter, and we have a couple tweets here. First is from Sonic15E, Mike Eads. Another great podcast. You can't get this type of info anywhere. Thanks for the great work. 30 days to the next Lobadoozy. Dude, you're that close to your next cruise. Uh, Let Matt become jealous starting now. (laughs) Next, we have a tweet from Paul Westbrook, who writes, great show topic. LOL, because Paul suggested it. Thanks so much. Hashtag best cruise podcast. Thank you, sir. And Sean Wallace tweeted us. Great show. Always love that lower outside deck. So peaceful. Never missed a few hours on last sea day relaxing in those chairs. I know. I love those chairs, dude. They're those wooden chairs that have a great view of the ocean. I just it's a great place to lose yourself, you know, just to go there, stare out into the horizon, and then be like after a while, be like, oh, man, what time is it? <laughs> kind of feel like I got to go do something else. But it's a great place to spend some time. So I really enjoy it as well. Back to the emails we go, and our next email is from John Moland, who writes Hi Matt. John, Aussie John here from Sydney, Australia, longtime listener and emailers at WW Today, and I'm really enjoying your new podcast. Thanks to Royal Caribbean Blog, we took our first Royal Caribbean vacation a few months ago on the Oasis of the Seas and loved it. It was our twenty-fifth cruise and the best so far. Thanks to the info, as it ensured a flawless cruise. Matt, we have just booked our second Royal Caribbean cruise on Allure of the Seas, and could do with your help. I have a couple of questions. Number one. Can you recommend a strategy of booking and enjoying a cruise with 15 to 19 people? We are interested in group booking options, accommodation close by to each other, dining as a group, booking shore tours, etc. Maybe a good show to talk about. You know, it's a good show, John. Uh, I think I'll answer it really quick, though, for you. But you know, maybe we'll have to do a group cruising episode sometime soon. Basically, what you should do, first, though, you haven't done it already, is look into actually booking as a group. If you book a certain amount of cabins, and I forget if the number is four or eight cabins, I think it's eight cabins. That if you book eight cabins, you get you're considered a group, and when you're considered a group, you get different rates, you get different benefits. And actually, the more cabins you book, the more benefits you get. In fact, it's actually really, really good, John, if you're the one organizing it, because if you get to be a group level, you get certain kickbacks as the organizer. <laughs> so you can choose to keep it to yourself or share it with your friends, whatever, but it's really to your, your advantage. If you're booking that many people, you, um, you might be close to getting that number. So what I would do is actually call Royal Caribbean and talk to them about uh, you need the group bookings. Or better yet, you know what I, mean, what I would do honestly in a situation like this is deal with a travel agent because stuff like this, especially groups, is a whole nother ball ballgame. So I would contact a travel agency, let them talk to them about it and kind of give you the better options. At least consider it and if not – You'll, you can book things. Of course, traveling with a group that large, you probably want to make sure you do as much planning in advance as you can. Certainly any shows that have tickets that you can get, get those in advance. Make sure everybody's on the same page with that. Make sure also that all your reservations are linked together. And linking your reservations is an important thing. I'll actually put a link in our show notes today on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, John, about how to link your reservations because what that'll do is make sure that in your main dining room seating, you'll all be together and it can definitely help in terms of just keeping all your reservations and things like excursions together. And again, dealing with excursions with that many people I would. I'm not saying that booking outside excursions are not a possibility. There's, they can certainly handle those kinds of groups. But make sure whatever you're doing, whether you're booking with Royal Caribbean directly or you're doing it on your own, that you have all your stuff planned out. You don't just want to show up at the port and kind of do that. Let's see what happens or what's available kind of thing. Because even if you're dealing with cabs, man, that many people it's gonna be really tough. So make sure you, you've got all your your ducks lined up in a row, so to speak. Um, your other question was about. Any suggestions for a private tour in Charlotte, Amalier, St. Thomas? For that many people, you probably should consider booking a private tour. The only tour that I did was the group tour, like as in there were probably two truckloads full of people. So I'm not sure you'd have enough people to necessarily rent them out, but I would definitely go on a site like uh, Cruise Critic or even TripAdvisor and start looking around for some private drivers that'll do it. The drivers that we used, and it may be worth it, maybe you have a big enough group that you can kind of you know, just rent out the van, so to speak, was godfrey's tours but there's also stunning liston tours those are the two biggies certainly those are who you'll find the most results for but to help you know i would email them or call them in fact and say hey this is what's going on what's the best rate you can get me and kind of go from there so that might be the best way to go uh, and of course looking to see if there are any private drivers that may be able to help you and also day trip suggestions for atlantis paradise beach you know the the bahamas atlantis is in the bahamas and Nassau. It's kind of a weird place. A lot of people don't love NASA. I can't say that it's my favorite port by any means. I would just book a day pass to Atlantis, get some sort of package rate over there. And again, when you have this many people, you should be negotiating your rates. Don't just book anything you see off like the web as like, okay, here's the per person rate. Because when you're bringing that many people, you're bringing almost 20 people to a group, you qualify for better rates because most of the times they can't fill that kind of numbers, especially that easily. So whatever you're booking, contact them in advance. Say, hey, look, we've got, you know... 15 to 19 people, so just taking 20, about 20 people, you know, and, you know, what can we do in terms of rates to make it affordable for everybody? And a lot of times you're going to get a much better rate just negotiating, but don't assume basically the posted rate is the actual rate. And that's really the case for almost everything in the Caribbean. Even if you're just traveling with two people, the rates are kind of, they're suggestions or at least starting points for the negotiating. So start there and that may be a good place to go. And, you know, I'm interested to hear how it goes for you, John, because traveling with that many people is always going to be a challenge. I think the thing about traveling with that many people is, you know, you obviously want to do things together and when you're in port, that makes sense. But it's also good to have a little, you know, alone time. Don't necessarily all feel like you have to travel attached to the hip. Uh, And I think if you do that, if you have a little balance between uh, together time and alone time, I think you'll have a really good experience there. So good luck. And again, I want to hear about from what worked and what didn't work, especially those tours, John. Let us know what you found because I'm sure there's gonna be other people out there who are gonna want to book something similar. Next, we have an email from Stephanie Ozine. Matt, love the podcast. Thank you so much for your hard work. Is going through customs before or after cruise always painful? I sailed on Radiance of the Seas last year out of Vancouver. All of our ports were in the United States, so we cleared U.S. customs on the dock before embarkation. That line was upwards of two hours and caught us by surprise, so it was not a good start to our trip. The part of embarkation Royal Caribbean handled had no lines at all, but customs was a nightmare. I'm selling a Navigator of the Seas out of Galveston next April. It's only our second cruise ever. And found an old episode of CruiseCast where they did the same thing and reported that lots of people got stuck in a huge customs line upon December vacation. Any tips on how to make this trip easier? You know, this is a great question. Actually, it's funny you mentioned the CruiseCast podcast. I was listening to their episode because they actually had one just about their experience on Navigator of the Seas. And they had a very similar experience. So I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. The good news is embarkation wasn't really so bad. In fact, I don't remember having any issues uh, in terms of embarkation, other than the fact we had a weather delay, which was not Royal Caribbean's fault, just that's how it goes, and they kind of did the best they could with it. There were a lot of people there. When you have a delay, you're going to have bigger lines because, of course, more people show up because you don't necessarily can get there as early as you might otherwise. So you don't have as much time to get there, so there's less time for everybody to board. Anyway, that's, that's a different story disembarkation was really really long in Galveston and my best tip for it is one if you can bring your own luggage off the ship that's always a good way to get off that ship earlier Uh, if you can also see if you can get a a lower number disembarkation remember you get a number to disembark at if you're checking your luggage meaning your luggage is brought down for you and you'll come pick it up whatever your number is it doesn't matter you can always go to guest services and say hey look We've got to get off the ship earlier. We just whatever reason you can say, hey, I just want to get off the ship earlier, but I need to have my luggage taken for me. Then they can always give you usually a much better number. It, again, it's one of those things where you just have to ask. If you don't ask, you may be sitting there longer. The thing with disembarkation is, I always, always, always use a porter. I use a porter when I when I embark, when I first pull up to the port and drop off my luggage, and I also use a porter when I get off the ship. It's like ten bucks. And it's the best $10 you're going to spend because they have separate lines for porters and they have separate lines for other people. And the porters get a lot faster through the lines because they know how the system works. Our porter was great and he was able to just bring us really easily through it. It still took a little while. There's not a whole lot to it. Unfortunately, this is purely on customs. There's nothing Royal Caribbean can do. How customs works from port to port is very different. And Galveston, unfortunately, has a terrible reputation and I had the similar experience in terms of long lines here. So my again, try to get on there out of the ship as early as you can and make sure you use a porter because that I know that was gonna be saving us time. Why it happens, who knows? I think it's I think it's purely on the port and on customs. There's nothing you can really do and, or Royal Caribbean can do to expedite things, but again I said I said it like eight times now use the porter. It's going to be the best things you can do. Stephanie also wrote similarly, I realized that I have a trip coming up next year that stops in Roatan, Honduras, Belize City, Belize, and Cosvo, Mexico. Are we gonna to have to go through customs at each port? What is it like getting off in cruise ports when you're going from one country to the next? Great question, Stephanie. And you know what? You don't have to go through customs at all. You only go through customs when you are coming back to the United States. In these islands, you are in Honduras and in Cozumel, you are going to dock. So you just the ship literally pulls up to a dock. You walk off the ship and goodbye. That's it. When you come back, you just have to flash your sea pass and you also need photo ID. I always bring it anyway, but. You should bring that also. For Belize, it's a tender port, so you're going to board a little boat. It's going to bring you to port, and then vice versa when you want to come back. You board the same boat, brings you back to the ship. It's a fairly simple process, but there is no customs really to deal with. There's a little bit of security involved in terms of you may have to show you, again, your ID. Some ports have bag checks. Some don't but it's pretty quick. Cozumel actually does have a bag check now that I think about it. But really, as long as you're not there like right in the last like 20 minutes before the ship leaves when everybody's trying to get back, you'll be fine. And I've never had much of a a bad experience with getting on and off those islands. Pretty easy in terms of customs and anything like that. So hopefully that helps you out there. And Stephanie, have a great time. Thank you for listening. And that's going to wrap up this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog packs. So we want to hear from you. I love hearing from all of you, your comments, your thoughts. If you have questions, it's even better. We get to answer them, but whatever's on your mind about Royal Caribbean Cruising, we want to hear about it. So You can tweet us. We are on Twitter at the RCL Blog. Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean Blog. You can email us matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com or you know, call the Royal Caribbean Blog voicemail by calling 408-6-ROYAL-6, that's 408-676- nine, two, five, six. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg and we'll talk again soon.